0: Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. When we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are. We hear different perspectives and we better understand others' stories. We learn to stand with people instead of just having opinions on issues. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. And I'm here today with my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Keith Amen hennick Keith and I went to college together, so you may have heard stories about him, though maybe not by name. Keith and his roommates lived upstairs from me and my roommates and we spent a lot of time together. Keith and I were both also double majors in English and Spanish. We studied abroad together. We were on a ministry team together. We wrote our thesis on the same topic from different angles. Since then, our lives have gone different directions, but we both ended up getting MDivs, so we still have that in common. Keith went on to get a PhD from Emory. He's a pastor, he's a scholar, he's someone I would consider a brother. Keith's also gay. So today we're gonna talk about LGBTQ and God. Keith, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. That was such a lovely introduction. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm happy that you're here. I'm glad that this time we got to hit record because last time we just ended up chatting the whole time.
1: I know it was good to just talk offline sometimes. but It
0: was. It was so great. Um, so let's start out. Obviously, I gave you a little bit of an introduction there, but let's hear your story a little bit more from your perspective. What has life looked like from, well, I guess you can start wherever you want, um, but what has brought you to the point where you're at right now?
1: Ah, well, I've been thinking a lot about this question from a family systems standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I'm teaching this semester to students at Emory is family systems theory. So I've been getting curious about it um, in my own family system. Mm -hmm. Uh, I come from a long line of teachers and a couple preachers, but (laughs) I think if, if the women were were recognized for the actual work they do, then there would be a lot more ministers and uh, preachers and recognized in my family lineage. Mm. So I just think about like all the women who raised me who were ministers and like taught me to see everything you do as a form of ministry. Um, And many of them were also teachers. And so In a lot of ways, I have kind of just picked up my family trades by now integrating ministry and teaching together at a school of theology. So I really love it. And um, I'm realizing now that I've kind of brought a lot of ancestral wisdom with me that I didn't realize until kind of recently. So
0: that's so awesome. And so you teach in Emory's Master's of Divinity School?
1: I do uh, teach pastoral care, sometimes some chaplaincy type studies, spiritual care.
0: Very cool. Do you enjoy it?
1: Oh, I do. I love it. Well, you know, I'm always down for a deep conversation. Always. Um, Yeah. And And you're always down to teach
0: somebody something. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And there you go. So those are all the ingredients. (laughs) It,
0: It is a perfect fit of all of your passion points. So that's super fun.
1: Mm hmm.
0: What has your coming out journey looked
1: like? It has been, honestly, for most of my life, it was just a series of repressions and denials.
2: Mm. It just
1: really was. And psychically, none of us can live by just pushing down whatever it is, whether it's emotions, whether it's desires, but that stuff leaks out. Mm -hmm. So I can think about all these times in high school um in high school in particular and college in particular and then like right after college where it it was just leaking out and sometimes Mm -hmm. it would leak out in ways that I was I would harm people um Mm. just by like (laughs) dating women for the image a lot of times that I was trying to perform of what it looked like to be good to be a man to be a Christian all these Mm -hmm. things that I wanted to be Yeah. tried so desperately to fit and so gay was never an option with that
2: Mm. for me
1: um as someone who also loved god and loved community it just they were antithetical the -hmm. religious experience and the gay experience were opposites in a lot of ways until at wake forest school of divinity i encountered LGBTQ ministers wow. and out people of faith, mm-hmm. uh, being from Hickory, North Carolina, and then going to Gardner Webb University, <laughs> I just had not been exposed to LGBTQ yeah. people of faith. I yeah. just, and so I couldn't imagine for myself what I couldn't see in others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At Wake Forest, when I was able to see people flourishing in these beautiful relationships. Uh, Just free and happy and light and in ministry and loving God or doing what, or just frankly doing whatever they want to do, but just feeling free.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It was such a mirror back to me of the ways that I was not free. Mm. And that whole season, all I could keep hearing from God was there's more freedom. There's Mm -hmm. more freedom. Like I've made you for freedom. Yeah. And so coming out has really just been honestly an investment in my own freedom. And it has obviously implicated so many other things, you know, about my gender, about my race, about class. Like mm-hmm. when you start questioning, the questions just lead to more questions. Yeah, And you just realize all the ways that you just buy into these myths
2: mm-hmm. that
1: constrict and constrain who we can be in the world. And they also show up in ways that we constrict other people and limit their freedom.
2: Mm. So for me,
1: like coming out as gay was ultimately just like this radical acceptance that all things are good. Mm. Like the first words God spoke over creation is it is good. It yeah. is good. Is it's good. That's yeah. it. So coming out was like finally turning that on the self.
2: Mm.
1: Like I am good. Yeah. And there was no longer the like desperate over-functioning of trying to fit or be and I still Mm -hmm. of course I mean I don't say there's no longer that anymore because I'm still trapped in that all the time sure but it's like every time I feel trapped this mantra comes back to me that there's more freedom Mm. and it's the freedom of letting go it's the freedom of like maybe you don't know who you are that's fine just let go like you don't have to try so hard to meet others expectations of who they say you Mm. are god they say God's will for your life is, right. but it makes sense.
2: Yeah.
1: My coming out journey then, I had to see models of people living in freedom
2: mm-hmm. for me to
1: start living into it myself.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And since it's just been this pursuit of freedom, <laughs> but freedom, not hedonism. I do want to Okay. that distinction.
0: Where is the line of distinction then?
1: Yeah, I think it's... Um... <laughs> love (laughs) i know it sounds i mean as christians like the first commandment the greatest commandment about loving self others god neighbor like it's just love Mm. so to me it's like freedom if it causes harm to suffer others then it's not true freedom it's Mm -hmm. a limited view of the self and of our relationality together the line then uh is the Freedom is held accountable by community. I guess.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. What does it look like to reconcile your faith and your sexuality? Because there are a lot of people, as we have both heard, um, who would say that that you're living in sin and that you need to repent of your ways. And what does your journey look like to to recognize that that may not be the case?
1: Mm. So I actually just read uh, a really awesome quote from Mark Epstein, talking who's a psychotherapist. And he said that sexuality is a threat to spirituality only when it is not integrated. Mm. It's the only time when it's not integrated into the wholeness of who we are and the wholeness of our lives together in community. Yeah. When sexuality is something that we cannot integrate, we can't even have honest conversations about it. That's when it becomes a threat to spirituality. Mm. But at its core like sexuality is about desire and connection and it's all these things and the flavor of Christianity I grew up in it saw all of that um, as a giant threat to spirituality
2: mm.
1: and I just don't experience it that way in my own life
2: yeah
1: I spent so long just trying to figure out well what does the Bible say or what does tradition mm-hmm. say or what does community say and are there communities where I can and it finally like Maybe this is the freedom piece. I just kept hearing God just be like, What do you know to be true? Mm. Like, you know, in your gut when you have peace and when you don't.
2: Mm.
1: Like, follow your own peace. Mm. And so, for me, it was just like <laughs> all the teachings that I was given about you will know God, you will know them by their love,
2: yeah. you will
1: know God by the fruit of the Spirit. Like, yeah. where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's is freedom and there's mm-hmm. peace. And it's like, I experience all these when I say yes to myself and mm. yes" to the desires in me, mm. and not when I say no. Like all those years of saying no yielded awful fruit. I just felt shitty all the time. Yeah. Like that's not good news.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel shitty. Right? <laughs> what would you just say to someone who's wrestling with their own experience and being like, "Well, I feel shitty when I pursue?" Anything in the LGBTQ realm, because I've been told it's been wrong for so long.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> well, I mean, if they have that much awareness, we might just pause and <laughs> on the, you just let's just reflect on what you just said. I like, and I think that has been a journey for for me as an adult. I'll speak to it as my own experience. Yeah. As someone born and raised in purity culture. Hmm. And so purity culture is not just a set of like abstinence, it's not just abstinence sexually mm-hmm. and waiting for marriage, but it's also just these really, really rigid gender roles mm-hmm. and complementary gender roles. To this day, I struggle to know like what are the desires in- or like when I feel shame about something or I feel a desire or I feel anything. I still to this day, I'm like, "What is my upbringing?
2: Yeah,
1: like, what is me? What is from God?" And I think, like, part of therapy is separating all that out,
2: Mm -hmm. all that Mm -hmm.
1: out, realizing the ways that so many of your own thoughts are your mother's thoughts. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Or your pastor's thoughts. Yep. And they're not actually uh, from the Word of God, Mm. and they're not actually from the Spirit of God speaking in your own inner silence
2: yeah they're not
1: and so I would just say to that person the struggle is real to know (laughs) uh which of the voices are uh Howard Thurman calls it the sound of the genuine Mm -hmm. it's hard to know the sound of the genuine but my sense about that is to follow your Mm peace I really do believe that I think that um if you do not have peace about a situation maybe that's data and just Pay attention to that. And if you feel like you have peace nowhere, then that's data too, that there's just something not lining up. You're not able to just fully be who you are. Mm -hmm. Peace comes from within. Like it's not about finding that in the world, though it's about, I mean, from a justice standpoint, we need to create systems Mm -hmm. of peace and environments and contexts of peace. But at the end of the day, when we're thinking about sexuality and spirituality or any questions about the self and who Mm -hmm. am I? Yeah. Like this is ultimately a search for our own peace. Mm. And there are certain things that lead to that and certain things that do not. And just like a radical love for who I am and who I feel myself to be is just step one for all of us.
2: Mm.
1: I just wonder if so many of the things we've been taught have just asked us to like the the deepest truths of our faiths are also the most simplest ones. Sure. And our faith says, like, you have to work so hard. You have to fast and pray and do so much. And you're still not going to be good enough. And you're mm-hmm. still going to, like, yeah. not know who you are at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And it's like, God is like, just be still. Yeah. And when you're still, it's like there is a quiet peace that comes up. And for me, it's not like, uh, okay, here's my path going forward. Here's exactly Mm -hmm. who I am. But I often have a sense about the next right step. And oftentimes for me, it has been leaving a community, has been the impetus for my growth to learn who I am in a new way, um, Mm. which is really to just allow myself to be in a new way.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: To like take down some of those defenses and walls, and realize you don't have to try so hard.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> like, what if you didn't have to try hard at all? Yeah. Like, what yeah, if you? D- and that's yeah. kind of the invitation to just like be and rest,
2: mm. and pause,
1: knowing you don't have to change. Like, yeah. what if what if who you are is perfect? What if God already said is good?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a hard word, but such a good word.
1: <laughs> yeah, I maybe less invested in in sin. Uh, obviously, but the pen- mm-hmm. pendulum swings really far the other way when you grow up a Southern Baptist. I mean, that's true.
0: <laughs> if someone's listening and they're hearing, like, for the first time that you can be gay or bi or however you identify or whatever you are and a follower of Jesus, like, how can you help them reconcile those?
1: I would just say, who said that you cannot? Mm. It's not Jesus. Who said that you cannot? We can trace it. Like I can trace it in my own lineage.
0: Sure.
1: I can trace it through parental figures, through family Mm -hmm. figures, through people in my faith tradition. I cannot trace it in the word of God, which has Mm -hmm. a resounding message of love. Mm -hmm. And I can't trace it in my own heart and in my own spirit. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Growing up a Christian, and I mean that growing up a Christian, Mm -hmm. I I actually think about like my dad used... And my parents uh, quote that I'm pretty sure it's from one of the Stanleys who talked about raise up children as if they're already Christians, mm-hmm. like raise them in that way. Sure. And I just like always knew God as my other yeah. parent in that sense. Yeah. There was like never a time in my life where I felt outside of sure. God yeah. or God's love for the church. Mm-hmm. But my entire life, I felt outside of myself mm. and of my whole body and felt yeah. just disconnected. Sure. And the whole impetus of Jesus's ministry being about wholeness and oneness.
2: Yeah.
1: It's like, let's just stop telling other people what that means and just seek it for yourself. And for Mm -hmm. me, it meant just realizing I'm gay. (laughs) Like it was that simple. And it was like, Keith, just start there. Yeah. Just start there. Just like start saying yes. Like, what if God just wants you to say yes to things? Sure and it's like I, it it makes you realize that so much of your faith for so long was saying no.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's like that I don't I no longer am interested in a faith that says no.
2: Yeah. And I think that's with good. the
1: individual person, I know I'm I'm maybe I'm being dodgy with your question because I think at the end of the day like it just it's so particular to the individual person. Sure. Sure like so many queer people when they come out when i came out i lost faith communities not i left sure. the church where i was working
2: yeah
1: because quote unquote the power brokers of the church were not ready so there's a lot of pastors in these con- in these churches by the way queer people a lot of pastors in these churches who do affirm you but are too afraid mm. they're afraid of losing money they yeah. would rather lose lives than lose money wow so for if you are struggling yeah the risk is real like almost every queer person I know has someone in their life that has rejected them
2: Mm.
1: and it's shitty and it sucks but I am more free now and I have peace every single day Mm -hmm. and I have robust community with people that love me and it's like we all deserve that It's like, I'm not trying to tell people how to come out or when to come out or why. I just want people to be whole, Mm. like be whole and know that you can have peace and you can have freedom and who you are is good. Yeah. God said it was good. The first word spoken over creation and you Mm -hmm. are, good. Yeah. So that's my theology. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it.
1: And I mentioned sin myself. Maybe I'm just thinking about it, just trying to think in christian terms about my own categories <laughs> but if like if my theology is this one of initial belovedness not original yeah. but original belovedness then mm. like what is sin sure. and it's like the poet rumi says your task is not to seek love but to seek and tear down every barrier you have built up against it mm. like sin are just those barriers sure and then sometimes they're defensive like half of the barriers that queer people have Are defensive and protective because we know and we have seen people be assaulted and abused and hurt. So we put up those defenses. For sure. But at the end of the day, our task is not to seek love, it is to realize it is already here and we already have it within. It is Mm. just saying yes to it. It's just like letting go of all of those barriers and defenses we've built up against it. And for the person really, really struggling, with their spirituality and sexuality, I would guess that that is tied to their experience of belonging in a community. Mm. And if we can just intervene there and help people find places to belong where they are able to ask questions, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: just be open and honest and genuine, then I think like we can all figure out questions of sexuality and spirituality. I haven't figured it all out, (laughs) but I have found community that is safe for me to question. And yeah. safe for me to grow. And sure. that is what we all need.
2: Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, the church is just not that space for a lot of people, but it yeah. can be. I have found that in progressive churches.
0: How does someone find a progressive church?
1: For me, I Googled Alliance of Baptist Churches. I My ordination is with the Alliance of Baptists. Uh, they were the, well, you know, split from the Southern Baptists <laughs> over the issues of uh, inerrancies of scripture and women's sure. ordination. Yep. And also, we're the first Baptists to really be ordaining queer people, not wow. just marrying, but ordaining.
2: Wow. Like calling
1: mm-hmm. trans pastors. Like, wow. for me, the Alliance of Baptists aligns with my values. And as someone born and raised a Baptist, mm-hmm. the Alliance of Baptists helps me find ways in community to reclaim my own Baptist roots and cultural sure. heritage. As yeah. a like, what does yeah. that even mean for me in a way that is life giving? just sure. so toxic
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: for me it's been um alliance of baptists you can google that but you can also just google affirming churches meetups sure. i know it is hard it is hard it is really hard yeah.
0: no i love your comments about like having grown up baptist and now experiencing the beauty of it again and not the toxicity of it like i grew up lutheran and so i've got plenty of toxic lutheran experiences but then when i went to a lutheran seminary as a woman um, to be able to reclaim some of that and to realize, oh, hey, maybe this isn't such a strict like differentiation than I thought it was. Maybe there is still some beauty here. And maybe the the thoughts that I had that were outside of the realm of church, um, mm-hmm. at least my experience growing up, maybe they actually are still in alignment with scripture. Mm-hmm. So there is beauty in that and the redemption of
1: it. Absolutely. We are not healthy when we are cut off from our own roots.
2: Mm, like, if mm-hmm. we're
1: born into a faith tradition, even one that we find um, extremely damaging, yeah, destructive, there is still beautiful spiritual work to find ways to integrate that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to, to name it as abusive. Like, I'm not reclaiming the Southern Baptist tradition. It sure. was extremely abusive to me and so many of the women that I know and love. Yeah. But I can reclaim the Baptist tradition. That feels good to me. Yeah. It may not feel good to someone else, and that's fine, too. But for me, sure. like... I've found a lot of power in just reclaiming the Baptist tradition, which, to bring full circle, the core tenets of our Baptist beliefs, well, we don't even have beliefs because that's one of our freedoms is freedom from creeds. We have four fragile freedoms, and they are fragile because they have to be defended over and over Mm. and over. But Baptists, we're not built around hierarchies and creeds, we're built around fragile freedoms, religious Mm. freedoms. And it's like that, that I want to reclaim about my own spiritual, uh, lineage.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I'm going, I'm fine with the creed. Like I like the creed. It defines, it defines what I believe. And then I can launch out from there.
1: Yeah. My creeds. I mean, my creeds are, I, I, I do use mantras over creed.
0: <laughs> that's fine. But a good that's a
1: creed fine. is like a mantra.
0: Yeah, it is it is. And I have some Baptist in me. Don't hear me saying anything different. Like I actually found a lot of freedom at Garner Webb where all of a sudden I grew up because I grew up Lutheran. Women weren't allowed to be pastors. And all of a sudden I'm at Garner Webb with friends who went to div school who are female. And I'm like, wait, what? You mean she can do it? Why can't I do it? You know? Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is what led me to go on to seminary um, and to get an MDiv. Um, I haven't picked an ordaining body yet, but um, to be able to move forward with the education was huge. And I thank my time at Garner Webb for that
1: totally absolutely
0: so let's talk as two pastors here what is the church's role in diversity and inclusion
1: repentance Mm -hmm. first of all yeah uh, and redistribution of land and wealth probably Mm. think about how many churches just need to rethink what their space or who their space belongs to Mm. we are so protective of church land and churches own some of the most prized land in this country put that on top of the harm that so many churches have done around exclusion Mm -hmm. like the southern i've been talking about the southern baptists just to like put my our own shit out there is the southern baptists and like the northern baptists were split over the issue of slavery yeah and it was only like recently in the last decade that the southern baptists have even attempted a statement about it the church has not been an inclusive place not in the history of the united states
2: yeah
1: we can make arguments about the church as a um radical like uh egalitarian community maybe the early church but we cannot trace that in north america no the history of the church in north america has been one of exclusion Mm -hmm. black people indigenous people
2: yeah
1: uh, exclusion of women from leadership mm-hmm. lgbtq people
2: yeah. like the
1: church just has a lot of repentance to do but if our model is the early church who sold everything they had yeah and there was no need among them that mm-hmm. in this country where the disparities are rampant
2: mm-hmm. and the
1: church has been so complacent in those disparities it's time for the church to sell everything they have mm-hmm. so that there's no need among us
2: yeah
1: part of that is I think the recognition that the church needs to learn from other communities what it means to be inclusive. And the church has its own history and its own scriptures that it can draw on for that. But at this current moment in time, the church has, the church is in a place of lack and deficit and needs to look at the queer community, at other communities to learn what inclusion means because the church does not know. Yeah. And that's sad. It makes me like, sad mm. and emotional to say it because I do love the church,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it is not an exemplar model of inclusion.
0: No, unfortunately, it's not. In... <laughs> I know some secular places that do it a whole lot better um, yeah. and are much more loving and much more caring and much more inclusive than the church, which, which is really hard.
1: Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, and I, and, and I do think it stems from evangelicalism I think whenever there's the urge to evangelize uh it's hard for me not to see the urge to evangelize as a colonial urge it is it is colonizing Mm
2: -hmm. in
1: a lot of ways there's a way for an encounter with a tradition maybe you've never i I mean i was born and raised in the bosom of the church and god If you've never experienced that before, there are ways to experience that in non-coercive and invitational ways.
2: Mm.
1: But evangelizing someone is coercive yeah, (laughs) and often aimed at assimilation, about fitting into our community, about being welcomed into our community, not about Mm -hmm. radically restructuring the community based upon the neighbors who are now entering.
0: Yeah. How do we love and support the church when we disagree with so much of it?
1: the same way you love and support your family when you disagree with your family, it's hard as hell. And you, you mean don't. I
0: unfollow them on Facebook?
1: <laughs> so that is the urge. And <laughs> you know what there becomes. So in, in psychology, we call that cutoff.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there are survival and defensive reasons why sometimes we need to cut off people mm-hmm. from our lives. But in general, with our family, if you, cut off tends to mark something that's unresolved mm. right or unintegrated in oneself it, it takes yeah. a lot of work sure a lot of personal work to resolve what all and integrate really to metabolize the hurt is what you're doing it takes a lot right. of work to metabolize that hurt so how do we how do we love and critique i i think for so many people the hurt is too much
2: mm. like i
1: i think there isn't love for the church I think that's why the church needs a ministry of repentance.
2: Yeah.
1: So especially queer people no longer have love for the church because the church was the very thing that stripped love out of our lives. Mm -hmm. That like lied to us. Yeah. That said God is love and then taught us to squelch love and not Mm -hmm. set it free. Yeah. There's a lot of theological doublespeak that happens for those of us that have these competing theological messages in our heads that's Mm -hmm. like god is love oh but not this kind of love gay love isn't love gay love is is not love it's sin right it's just too much mental acrobatics (laughs) but for real really is too much and it's like we just finally realized like oh my god it's what if it's just simple (laughs) not easy it's not easy at all
0: (laughs) what are some simple but not easy things that we as the church or just as human beings can do that are supportive
1: state openly where you stand Mm. on lgbtq issues okay belonging is not assumed not in a religious space
2: yeah
1: and even interpersonally if you if someone knows you are representing a faith in some way by being ordained or being a chaplain or being a spiritual or even talking about it or talking about going to church yeah Just know in the back of our heads, we are wondering if we're about to just walk away from you because I don't have time to defend myself right now. Sure,
0: sure.
1: Just the emotional energy of wondering, like, Mm -hmm. does this person affirm who I am? Do I need to, like, hide? Do I need to tone it down? Yeah. There's a great Instagram or that talks a lot about clarity as reasonable.
2: Mm.
1: Like Clarity is reasonable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna find the Instagram so maybe you can link it but Perfect. it's I can about, do that. Like, uh, which okay. faith communities and churches are safe and it, mm. and it looks at different uh communities around the country and denominations and yeah and what they say about LGBTQ people and at the end of the day clarity is reasonable like mm-hmm. bad theology is killing us and if we are looking for a place to belong just tell us we belong yeah and if we don't don't play games with us first mm. of all um don't add harm on top of harm by letting us think you're cool and then as soon as we get in we're like they're like nope you can't lead sunday school because you're gay or we get super microaggressed behind the pulpit from some super super like heteronormative wedding ceremony it could be anything
0: Sure. sure
1: but it's like belonging isn't stated and so if you actually do want to include LGBTQ people and let LGBTQ people feel welcomed in religious spaces. Mm -hmm. That belonging needs to be overt. Yeah,
0: that's good. What are some other good resources? You mentioned that Instagram that you're going to get the handle of so I can make sure we link to it. Um, What are other good resources, books, things like that?
1: Good resources and books. Um, Honestly, there's just so much good queer theology out there right now. Um, There's a lot of people writing, you could probably just Google queer theology and find so many podcasts and books. Um, What I like is a more recent trend to move away from apologetics.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: So many of our queer ancestors had to do apologetics, had to start a conversation about sexuality from the standpoint of what the Bible says, because Mm -hmm. that was how you get people to listen to you. Sure. But for me and a lot of the people I know, we're just not interested in defending our lives, Right. anyone. And it's like, I'm just not interested. Yeah. Like, I don't care what the Bible says. Until I'm reading, someone once told me, until you're reading God is love,
2: mm-hmm. you have not
1: finished reading the text, mm-hmm. like whatever you're reading. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, whatever, you can throw any verse at me. Jesus taught me that God is love. So when I say I follow Jesus, that means I follow a God of love. And if I'm Mm -hmm. trying to find God in a passage, I keep reading until I read love. Mm. I find love. What that means to me is that means I just don't argue with people anymore. I'm really not interested. If someone's interested in having a conversation and like actually talking and exploring and asking some vulnerable questions, but it's from a place of curiosity and relationship.
2: Yeah.
1: Ooh, love those conversations. Mm Mm-hmm have not experienced very many of them with straight people
0: yeah i can see that
1: i just haven't or not straight mm-hmm. christians yeah <laughs> I've a lot with straight non-christians sure but not straight christians yeah so it's just like are you coming to the conversation already mind made up mm. are you coming encountering the radical mystery of someone in front of you
0: yeah yeah
1: like let's just encounter people without over determining so much of who they are
0: right Let's meet people where they are and learn more about it so we can stand with people instead of just having opinions.
1: So here's the other thing about um, stating clearly belonging. There are queer people in your church already. They're probably in your family. They're just there.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
1: we're here. So you can add care and love into these systems or you can add uh, harm and self-hatred and shame. Mm. And it's like in a million ways we're we're always doing that. It's like life and death or in the power of the tongue and the power of our life together. Mm -hmm. So if if you're struggling to know, you're like really struggling to know, like, well, what is the word of God?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, the God
1: gives us, I mean, the Bible gives us some great litmus tests Mm -hmm. to understand, well, what is the word of God for my life? What does God want for me? What is true? Uh, The fruit of the spirit is the one that I use. Sure. like where there's love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control
2: mm-hmm. like where there's
1: the fruit of the spirit i know that is where god is present yeah so for me that has just been a radical yes to not only my own sexuality but mm-hmm. to the genders and sexuality of the entire world just yeah. to diversity i guess yeah. to, to seeing gender and sexual diversity mm-hmm. to me it's just been a yes to all of that and yeah. to that as goodness yeah. So maybe that's just where churches need to start, just by yeah. saying yes to diversity instead of no.
0: Mm, that's good. I like that a lot. And it's hard to say yes to diversity because all of a sudden things look different. What a concept! All of yeah. a sudden we have to do things a little bit different. Maybe lutefisk isn't our best fundraiser for the year.
1: Oh, sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, forgot to mention the kingdom of God is not going to be comfortable and cozy for you. <laughs> <at all times. laughs> Sorry, but the radical redistribution of wealth in God's new kingdom is not going to be cozy. Oh,
0: but I like cozy and comfy. <laughs> what have I not asked you that you want to talk about?
1: I guess I, the only thing that I would like to talk about that frequently doesn't get asked, and this is a yeah. problem, I think, with just where our society is. This is a problem with the literature. It's a problem with just our cultural conversations about sexuality and spirituality is our conversations are, they just circle and circle and circle the drain Mm. around LGBTQ harm. Sure. And it's like, we have all just been so harmed in so many ways. Yeah. (laughs) And we are really wrestling with this. But what gets left out of these conversations is that by being queer, by being different, by having a different path for your life than maybe your family or your faith tradition set out for you Mm -hmm. there are certain gifts and resources Mm
2: -hmm. that exist within you and within
1: queer community and so i think where our conversations need to turn and maybe where how the church needs to engage lgbtq people is to just look lovingly and generously at the gifts and blessings that lgbtq people offer to
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: offer to life yeah. And it's like after all the death dealing we've done for so yeah. many years, like maybe yeah. we just need like a huge, massive rebirth, renaissance of love mm-hmm. and appreciative inquiry into the unique gifts of queerness. Yeah. Our communities.
0: Yeah.
1: Like let's just see what do queer people have to offer?
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. That's good. And I think like you had asked a little bit earlier, like where I stand. I want to share that one of my favorite managers is gay. And like, I loved him as a manager before I learned that he was gay, um, which was an interesting way to learn things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love working for this individual who happens to be gay. And so it was enlightening for me to be like, oh, well, I already loved working for this person. And now I love, now I know that he's gay. doesn't change how much I love working for him. And so it helped me like grow and be like, Oh my gosh, they're not terrible. Not that I ever really thought that they were terrible, but like it was like my own personal experience now in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so then, I mean, this was years ago now. So then I've been able to go from there and realize, of course, not a number of my friends have since come out, you included. Been like, I already loved Keith. I'm just love him more now that I know he's gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so just like having those own personal experiences is what helps us grow, and which is why we have the podcast that we have you know, so that we can have those personal experiences if we don't have that person straight in our lives, straight, directly in our lives, that was a bad use of the word straight, sorry, Um, (laughs) directly in our lives, to be able to experience a different perspective that we may not have or know that we have right in front of us.
1: Totally. It's why like the first time if I teach anything on LGBTQ, spiritual care, queer theology, like Step one, especially if I do this in a church,
2: yeah. step
1: one is like, who is a queer person that you know
2: mm-hmm. and that you love? Yeah.
1: That you just love deeply?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who's a trans person that you love? Right. And if you can't answer that question, then you actually have no business telling trans people about themselves or yeah. saying anything about identity. Frankly, you don't even know trans people. Why are you even talking about it? Right. And it's like our call as Christians should be to radical relationality. Yeah. But it just has not been in this iteration of the
0: yeah. church. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good.
1: Culturally, you know, as, a, as mm-hmm. a whole, I'm not saying churches aren't doing this. I have found beautiful, sure. loving churches that have done a lot of this work,
2: mm-hmm. but it's
1: often, um, I, I think about how both of the churches I've helped work at. Yeah. So much of the ministry of those churches is bandaging the wounds of people mm. that come from other churches. Yeah. It's like half of what we're doing is bandaging church wounds.
0: Yeah. But for we real.
1: Get to the good stuff. Like our faith mm-hmm. tradition has so much gold and good stuff to offer, yeah. but bandaging wounds mm.
0: that we caused. <laughs> that we caused. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And I want to say thank you to you. I didn't realize this probably until right now when we were chatting. I think you were one of the first people in my life who like pushed me to look at diversity and inclusion. Mm. Because back when we were at Gardner-Webb, I mean, all the rest of us went to these little white Baptist churches, right? And Keith did not go to the white Baptist church. Um, Keith went to the Baptist church of color. Was it even a Baptist church? I guess maybe it was a Pentecostal church. It was was a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had a picture of Africa hanging on your wall that was backwards, and we we're like, Keith, what's this all? Or it was upside down. And we we're like, Keith, what's this all about? And you were like, well, why do we have to look at the world from north? Why can't we look at it from south? And I was like, okay, legit. I think it had just gotten misprinted and you liked it and put it up, but it still got me to think.
1: College Keith was wild. I mean, Keith was very, I mean, it is true. Like our orientation of the globe
2: mm-hmm.
1: is arbitrary. Right. <laughs> it's always revolving and spinning. Right. So the fact that we always put it with, quote-unquote North America North and right. Is right. A value judgment yes yeah, so, yeah.
0: Sure.
1: college Keith knew sure. what he was talking about
0: oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I owe a lot to college Keith he was a lot of fun uh,
1: he was crazy <laughs> Still is, <I> guess.
0: <laughs> what is something that you wish everyone knew
1: that early childhood uh, challenges and harms and traumas impact your health across a lifetime
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and in ways that we don't even realize it mm-hmm. and we all can be healed yeah. <laughs> or at least experience a little bit more peace and freedom yeah. whatever you've been through that stuff lives in the body
2: mm-hmm. like the body
1: just remembers everything the mind remembers everything
2: Yeah.
1: Um, even if we don't consciously remember so I would just I would just say like half of the quote-unquote social problems we're so concerned about often have their roots in the ways we've been hurt Mm -hmm. and the ways we've been wounded and we're all just like trying to freaking make it through the day so if we can just be a little more kinder Mm -hmm. and a little more freer yeah and mind our own business yeah oh man maybe that's what I think that's like my new sermon for the church. It's like, just mind your business a little bit. <laughs> mind your business. It's okay. As long as no one's hurt nobody. Right? The new Beyonce yeah. song, Church Girl Don't Hurt Nobody, is fine. She I love it. Nobody.
0: No. Keith, would you be willing to pray for us?
1: Sure. I'm going to pray in the uh, tradition that we do at my church here in Atlanta, Park Avenue Baptist. Let's do it. Holy Spirit, we come to you now just grateful, grateful for old friends and reconnecting, grateful for conversations to just be open and honest and honest about the fact that we are not God and we don't have all the answers, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but you have come to us and shown us that the way is love Mm -hmm. and the way is peace. And we ask for these things to be a little bit more present in our lives today. Give us the courage to just take one step closer uh, towards our own peace and the peace of the world. It is in the name of the Black Messiah that I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. That's good. Thank you. I love it when people open their prayers to Holy Spirit. Um it was something that I learned in seminary that like, apparently no one ever does. There've actually been a couple people who've done it recently, you included, obviously, but it just makes my heart so happy. I'm like, oh, we're here. This is delightful.
1: I mean, why not? Well,
0: I know, right? He's part He's of the Trinity. He is
1: with us, always flowing in and around and through us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. Here on the show, we are always learning something new. So I have one final question for you. What is something you've learned recently?
1: Oh, man honestly, I guess this connects to what I was talking about a second ago yeah. about something I want everyone to know
0: yeah. is
1: I've been learning a whole lot about childhood adversity. Mm. <laughs> and if anyone is not familiar with the ACE study, adverse childhood experiences, it's just like a really important uh, study that talks about how our early childhood adversities just catch up with us. Mm. They they live in our nervous system. Yeah. So the, we we see evidence of that when we get triggered or Mm -hmm. we get really upset, or sometimes, who knows, our energy just changes, Yeah. but it's like childhood adversity haunts us across a lifetime, and a lot of that adversity is sacralized in the Mm -hmm. church, so a lot of harmful messages about myself are not even viewed as harmful in the church, Mm. but they still live in me as harm, and All of us can do something to metabolize the ways that we've been harmed. Like that harm lives in our body and it needs to be metabolized. Spiritual practices are a way to metabolize the harm Mm -hmm. or the stress, anxiety, the fear in our bodies. Spiritual practices are a great way. Exercise Mm -hmm. is a great way. Uh, Therapy is a great way. We need a medication. We need a combination of these strategies, but we can be well.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. We, We can be well. And everything is connected. And Mm -hmm. that is why we need a multiplicity of strategies to intervene. But uh, we can be well.
0: Yeah, that's good. And it's so true. Like I was sitting with the Lord this morning and we were wrestling through and he's like, okay, what's actually the root of what's going on here? And I like named it and I was like, dang it. It's the same root of what's always going on. So now that I've identified it, it's going to be a whole lot easier to metabolize it. I like that language. Um, To deal with it and
1: then to look at what it looks like to move forward. Yeah. For sure. And maybe your mind can't wrap around it. Like maybe you mm-hmm. can't totally figure it out and you're still trapped in your thoughts. Fine. Find a way to metabolize it, at least in your body, like mm. some embodied prayer through some embodied yeah. action, exercise, cooking something.
0: Yeah. No, I just like find that. a
1: way to just channel it.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's so good. Keith, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so much fun. Um, I always love getting to chat with you and getting to learn from you. So thank you so much for being generous with your experience and for being willing to share. I know this wasn't easy, and I know that that we had to talk a little bit to get you to decide you wanted to do it. Um, and I appreciate that you decided yes.
1: For sure. Thank you for having me on. It was a great, great time and lovely conversation.
0: Yay! Don't you love Keith? Because I sure do. If you want to continue to learn from him you can connect with him on instagram he's at keith amen yes keith and then amen like at the end of a prayer i would love to connect with you on instagram as well i'm at katie axelson hey i often get asked hey katie how can you have conversations like this on your podcast i want to be able to learn from people in my real life and i just don't know how to have the conversation get started listen there is a free resource for you at katieaxelson.com to help you out with some conversation starters It's actually really simple ask permission and then be prepared with questions be willing to learn don't worry about inserting your own opinion if you want some of those conversation starters pop over to katiaxelson.com and i would love to provide them for you my friend know that you are loved know that you are blessed know that you are seen know that you matter and we will see you again in two weeks